Let's call on God to do what he does. And let's also do what we can do and, and go to doctors and, and ask questions and see what we can do to get better. And so, um, man, I love Jesus. Uh, and I love science. And, and I have no problems with both of them. And I think they come together beautifully. And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. And we all need motivation, maybe to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. And thank you so much for joining us on uh, still a very unusual time. It's uh, uh, mid to late April right now, and and it's been uh, an unusual few weeks and months for a lot of us all around the nation and the globe as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact really all aspects of our lives. Uh, I wanted to read something to you first um, from the Boston Marathon on Facebook. Um, They were supposed to have that uh, famed race this past Monday. And it said, to the doctors, nurses, pharmacists, dentists, medical personnel, EMTs, police officers, firefighters, grocery store workers, custodians, postal workers, delivery drivers, bus drivers, and train conductors, we'll wait to start until you reach the finish. Well said by the Boston Marathon. And there are so many people that are essential workers and uh, so many healthcare workers on the front lines, and we're we're praying for you guys and and hoping for the best. And so many people, um, you know, coming down with this virus or dying from it, or you know somebody that has it and uh, tested positive for it. And uh, our special guest for this episode um, of the Run the Race podcast is a uh, a doctor who is also the founder and executive director of Mercy Med, a nonprofit uh, Christian ministry uh, in the Columbus, Georgia area. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about the fact that he's treating a lot of COVID-19 patients right now, what that's like. Um, Also, you know, helping others, helping the poor, uh, the importance of fitness in this world of obesity and how that's one of the main trigger factors when it comes to the coronavirus. Also going to talk about his his godly mission, his calling as a doctor, and and faith and medicine. Can they coexist? We also talk about the COVID-19 Miles for Hope, which was a run that I put together that uh, we raised a lot of money for Mercy Med, his organization. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So um, I I told you about this recently. I I decided to run 19 miles um, in honor of, unfortunately, of the name COVID-19. And uh, I thought, you know, who can we raise money for? Well, this group, Mercy Med, uh, tested um, more than 1,200 people in a four-day event. And more than uh, close to 200 people tested positive for the coronavirus at that event. And they decided to immediately... Uh, have an isolation unit at their clinic, and now they're treating these patients, some in person, some via telehealth, and doing a great job, and then they're testing on a daily basis as well for COVID-19, so we raised some money for them. Um, ended up, uh, we've raised uh, so far $7,000 for Mercy Med, um, and I encourage you, anything you can do, if you have a passion or an interest, something you have a skill at, go out and do that and use that uh, for this cause to help in this fight against this uh, brutal virus. Um, So this is how I did that COVID-19 Miles for Hope. I ran 150 laps around WTVM, the TV station in Georgia where I'm a news anchor. And uh, so it was quite tedious, uh, to say the least. I was going to start in the morning, but we had some severe weather. So I started at about 5.30 at night and ended up finishing at 9.15. So the last hour was in the dark. 
Um, so about eight laps equal to miles. So uh, it took me about 150 or 151 laps overall. We did a Facebook Live for the entire three and a half, four hours. So uh, hopefully it wasn't too boring for folks. You can still go and watch it at Jason Dennis WTVM on Facebook or or the WTVM Facebook page. And, um, and so uh, it, it was it was uh, exciting to be able to raise that money for this cause. And again, not about me, but about helping them out in this fight. Um, I was uh, singing some songs um, while I was running to entertain myself and others watching on Facebook Live. And uh, it definitely got tiring. Um, even though it was flat, there was different terrain. We had grass and uh, some straw and sidewalk. And so and then tedious because you're running around in circles, around in circles. So uh, I was happy when those 19 miles were done. And I was definitely uh, happy uh, to get that pizza at the end of that run. And the Boston Marathon, that was to take place this past Monday, which was the same day that I did the COVID-19 Miles for Hope. And you can still donate. You go to WTVM.com slash run. Again, WTVM.com slash run. Donate whatever you can as we continue to help Mercy Med, one of the many organizations uh, of healthcare helping in this fight in this pandemic of COVID-19. Now to introduce my guest a little more, a native of Columbus, Georgia, Dr. Grant Scarborough. He went to the University of Georgia, got a degree in biology, uh, started helping the homeless in downtown Atlanta and felt called to, to work for the underserved and felt calling actually to go into practice medicine. So he went and got his medical degree from Mercer Medical School in 2003, completed his internal medicine and pediatric residency at the University of Tennessee, then in July of 2011, moved to Columbus, Georgia, and is a board-certified pediatrician and internal medicine physician as well. He's a husband and a dad to four daughters, and now is the founder and executive director of Mercy Med. So here's my discussion with Dr. Grant Scarborough. You had a busy day already of uh, seeing a lot of patients, right? We did. We did all day, all day. Well, um, before we get into the fast forward and kind of getting to know you a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, you were here on Monday night for part of my COVID-19 Miles for Hope, where I ran 150 laps around the TV station helping to raise money for um, Mercy Med of Columbus and the fight versus coronavirus. So we have, I think, at least $7,000 so far. So tell me and tell the folks listening on the podcast, how is that money going to be used? And Because you guys are doing a lot in this uh, on the front lines. Right. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that I was there, uh, I think you're running lap 35 when I was there <laughs> out of 150. And you look great. I was still breathing. You were still breathing. I don't know what you look, look like at lap 135, but at lap 35, you look great. You were talking, you were singing 80 songs at that oh, yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. It was very, very impressive. <laughs> um, well, the reality is like, I really feel like we're at the beginning of the COVID fight, uh, truthfully, is that uh, we are um, testing and treating. Um, we've tried to flatten the curve, which I feel like we've done. The governor says he's going to you know, open some things up come Friday, uh, and then the curve, I think, will go back up. And so you know, this money now is literally for continuation of testing and treating, testing and treating, because I, I really don't think this is ending anytime soon. And so it costs money to do this. And this just helps us be able to do it even longer and test more folks and see more folks in the clinic. So thank you so much for um, at least 35 laps of running. I don't know if you finished the rest or not, but I'm taking your word for it. <laughs> I uh, did I did all 19 miles. So And, and uh, we uh, had a lot of people on there very passionate about what you guys are doing. So I appreciate all, all, all y'all are doing because you're, you're risking yourselves to, to help other people, you know. Well, I was. I was uh, in full hazmat gear today. 
Wow. And we spray, all the rooms are, are plastic, the sealant's plastic. We spray in between every patient. We have to wait five minutes to let it dry. And uh, I kind of feel like I'm in one of the safest places in town, to be honest with you. I mean, it's sprayed down nonstop, mopped nonstop. That uh, I feel pretty good. I'm a little warm. Yeah. <laughs> I have not- a mask, a face shield. Yeah, um, and, and we're at a distance here. We've got at least 6 to 12 feet in between us. Right. To, we're recording this podcast. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit later in this episode about the pandemic, about the mix of faith and medicine and, and all uh, other kinds of issues. But first of all, I wanted to do the fast forward, which is kind of getting to know you. I prepped you a little bit for this. So first of all, um, the first question is, what is your job description at work and also at home? So I'm the, the CEO and founder of Mercy Med, but I'm also a doctor at Mercy Med. So I do a lot of seeing patients mostly and then give a lot of good oversight. We have an incredible team. They get most of the credit. At home, I am a uh, I am not the CEO at home. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's my wife or my four daughters, but I obey much better at home. And uh, But no, my, my I, I tell folks my wife is the home manager. She like takes care of everything. Um, and, and it frees me up to, to really work at, at, uh, at Mercy Med. And my kids are just awesome. I have four daughters, 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, and 11. And uh, my favorite thing to do is come home and hang out with the family. Wow, lots of teenagers. So you do need prayer. Yeah, lots of hormones. You, you are definitely uh, <laughs> you're outnumbered. Do, do you have any dogs or cats that are female we, or male? <laughs> we finally got a dog, a male dog recently, which makes me very happy. There you go. <laughs> Somebody to join you in the fight. Yes. Uh, second question, How? what do you do to stay physically fit on a weekly basis? Right, maybe? right, right. Uh, I, I enjoy watching my, my wife exercise. <laughs> it's exhausting. Um, no, <laughs> Like watching me run yesterday. That's right. It, was, it was made me feel better. Um, I am in a lull right now, to be honest. Uh, my wife and I have done a lot of running. We've done the Soldier Half Marathon a few times. So we did the full one one time, and I lost eight toenails. At that time, I decided a half is more my speed. Um, and uh, I had great desires beginning this year, and I just haven't done it yet this year. But up until this year, I, I've been mostly running. Yeah. Well, you've gotten a little busy the last uh, month or so. Right, for sure. right. Yeah. That's my excuse also. My <laughs> wife's not buying it, but thank you for joining my side. When the pandemic's over, then then you got to get to it. You know. Yes. Uh, do you have a spiritual motto or a particular verse that you use for, for inspiration on a regular basis? Every day it might be a different answer, but I really love just the, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Like, y- you can love the Lord in your house while you're praying, but to love your neighbor you have to go outside the house and cross the street and meet your neighbor. This beautiful idea of God's cause to love him up and love this way horizontally that we must go out um and i love that picture of doing both is we're supposed to do both not just one definitely a commandment you're doing that in action at mercy med and the last one is what is something unique about dr grant scarborough wow what's something unique about me um uh right now i have a mustache <laughs> yes i do and it's increasing the social distancing at home because my wife is not coming near me with a mustache, so she's well protected. Um, but everybody at the clinic right now fighting uh, and helping treat uh, COVID, the men, that is, are all growing mustaches. <laughs> we feel like it's a extra protection of filtration underneath our mask. So we have a mask on, then the filtration from the mustache is helping us to uh, be even better protected. Not shaving until this is all over, perhaps? 
Let's not go that far. I like for my wife to kiss me every now and then, so <laughs> uh, eventually it will end. Exactly. Um, well, getting into the meat of things in terms of the uh, um, uh, coronavirus, you've been a doctor for, I believe, more than a decade now? Yes. And um, so how unprecedented and how serious is this COVID-19 pandemic? Because some people are saying we're underplaying it, we're overplaying it. So from somebody who is seeing these patients and 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 saw hundreds of people test positive for in person, what is it really like? You know, the hard thing for me is I feel like I know medicine. I know how to treat high blood pressure. I know how to treat diabetes. I know what, you know, pneumonia looks like. I know what the flu looks like. And I think the hard things for for medicine for us is that we've never seen this before. Um, That it's unknown for even doctors that every day I'm reading an article that says something different. And so to really fully know this is becoming very, very difficult. And uh, so I think there's just a lot of this unknown of what's happening. I mean, today I can't tell you how many folks ask, well, can I get reinfected again? Uh, what about next year? What will it look like next year? Uh, will summer make it better? And we all have some guesses, um, but the reality is we're all just guessing. And so we've gone from this, I feel like this area of being an expert to be able to sit down and kind of, you know, explain things well to my patients to saying, I really don't know. These are our best guesses right now, but this might change tomorrow. So it's this really this unknown that's been so difficult for me. I know that uh, we need to step in some areas and help folks. And I think probably the greatest thing Mercy Med has done is not necessarily explain things well. It's not necessarily treat people well. It's actually just walking with them during this process. We call them every day for 14 days. And, I, and I'm seeing them now for follow-ups. And, and they're all saying... You know, I know no one can tell me what to do, but I'm just so glad I know someone's going to call me tomorrow. Yeah. And so we provide that kind of support for them to know that, hey, we're going to be here for you. We don't understand it either, but we're not leaving you. We're going to walk beside you. So that's the weirdest thing to me is trying to figure out what exactly is going on and having this unknown that I'm not used to with medicine. Because coronavirus obviously not covered, uh, well, I don't think not much, at least when you were at uh, Mercer for medical school, right? That's right. Well, you know, the coronavirus actually is it's kind of part of the, it's the common cold. But there are different mutations and different strains, and this is one that's completely different. And so, um, sure, yeah, I mean, it's nothing like this. I mean, the last one was the Spanish flu over 100 years ago. So this is completely different. And and sheltering in place was never covered in med school. And how long to shelter in place for, um, all all this is new. And that's why, I mean... Going way off topic here, but you invited me. Um, you know, that's why I feel like we ought to give some these politicians a little bit of grace because the reality is this is new for everybody. Like, we're all trying to figure out when do we open the government back up again? When do we shut it down? You know, what's the best next step? And, and there's going to be some, some missteps along the way. But we got to realize we're going to have to love each other and, and help each other through this whole process. I feel like maybe doctors and politicians and members of the media might be in the same boat in some ways is that you're going to be criticized no matter what you decide to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you shut things down, you open things back up. And the reality is if you open things back up, we're going to have a spike again. But the other reality, and we know this, is that when folks are more at home <clears throat> happening right now, because I've talked to my friends in these different areas, addiction is increasing right now. Physical and sexual abuse is increasing right now. Mentally Ill, mental illness is increasing right now. That the, the financial woes that people are, are having, worrying about losing their house and their car, I mean, that's it. So you, you have to take this whole big picture of, wow, physical health is incredibly important. Um, we need to protect that. We need to improve that area. But there's also this addiction, this dark side that's happening that we're not talking about. And so you're not going to get it right. And we must understand that and give grace to the folks and realize, okay, let's come up with a good plan and kind of push forward and see where we are. 
Yeah, and you were talking earlier about how the kind of the setup at Mercy Med, a, a clinic, you know, set up in Columbus, Georgia, kind of an isolation unit, and how you know you're um, sterilizing and, and sanitation on a regular basis. So, what is it like in terms of because I know that you the coronavirus can't really be technically quote treated. So, um, when you're seeing people in person, is that because they are really bad off, need to be on a respirator, or what are the condition of a lot of these patients? Because you've had in just four days of testing, you guys found almost 200 positive. So are yeah. these people, uh, a lot of them in good shape or bad shape? Yeah, it's such, it's such an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, I've thought myself, you know, what, what are we doing? What's our goal? And so um, the first thing we do is we bring them in and we just kind of find out where they are in the process of, the, of their disease. There, there is some uh, possibility that uh, hydroxychloroquine that we've heard in the news, azithromycin might have some impact. Some studies say yes, some say no. Um, we're following a, a, a program out of Birmingham that, that puts some of these folks on treatment. But the reality is we probably put 10% on treatment, and those are folks who are actually getting worse. But if you are doing okay and not getting worse and staying about the same or getting better, we chose just to monitor you daily. And so our biggest thing is saying, hey, we're here for you. So many folks, are, they're so anxious. All you hear in the media today is about deaths. This person died, this person died. This. So they just assume they're going to get it. So part of my job is saying 98% of the people live, that we're here for you. You know, we're doing a COVID-positive Zoom call twice a week. We had a prayer team set up to help them. We had a social team. We delivered, hun- I don't know if 100, we, we probably, yeah, probably delivered 100 masks, thermometers, help people get food, help people get, you know, different things they needed. And we had a chaplain and counselor on standby to talk to folks. And so they had this whole system around them. You know, they got corona, but now there are other folks they can talk to to kind of support them during that process. So we treated some, but the majority of it was, hey, we're going to be there with you. And someone today said, you know what, I have terrible anxiety. And the fact that I knew that someone would be there calling me every day helped me get through this disease process. And so we're helping folks get over that, get better. And now guess what? They've had it, and, and now they're over it. So there's just such fear that if you get it, you're going to die. And there is a higher chance of dying of this than you would of the flu. So to me, it's just, hey, we're here for you. We're going to walk through this with you. Let me explain the percentages of what's happening. And we'll be here. And if things change, we'll call you. And so we had a team of nurses and med students, and they would text me, say, hey, I'm worried about this patient, would call them, check on them. So they knew they had a voice there. So I think we kept a lot of folks out of the ER because they knew we were calling them. And you were you know, talking earlier about how – um, you know, uh, saying prayers uh, as, as a prayer team and, and helping these folks, not just with the medical part, but, you know, the spiritual and kind of as a whole. Uh, on your bio on the Mercy Med website, it says that you, quote, desire to see God glorified through caring for the poor. And a lot of these folks maybe you're treating are uninsured in terms of medical insurance. Explain that passion and mm-hmm. in terms of is this something you feel as a, as a calling for you as a doctor? Yeah. You know, uh, James says pure and undefiled religion is taking care of widows and orphans in their distress and keep yourself unstained from the world. Pure and undefiled religion is both of that. That's where we went to the very beginning. It's loving Christ and also loving the world. Take care of widows. I mean, this is what we're supposed to be doing. It's what we're supposed to look like. There's a book called The Hole in the Gospel where someone went through and like cut out all the passages in Scripture that talk about caring for the poor and held the book up, and he said he could almost see through the Bible. Uh, it talks more about caring for the poor than it does about going to church, and I think going to church is really, really important talks more about caring for the poor than it does about praying. And I think praying is really, really important. But the heart of God is, is caring for the less fortunate. I mean, that's why he saved us. He came after us. He pursued us. And Scripture says that we've been reconciled to God. He's given us now the ministry of reconciliation. 
that we're called to go after folks. We're called to reach out to people. So um, in college, uh, I ended up uh, doing some ministry called Young Life. And after college, I, I went into full-time, kind of working with Young Life in a church. And I started taking some folks down to uh, the poor part of Atlanta and seeing a lot of the poor had folks giving them you know, uh, clothing and food and housing, which is really important. But I just realized there's this niche that no one's really caring for the physical needs. So I ended up going back to med school with a with a goal of becoming a doctor to care for the less fortunate. So that was really the reason I went to med school. And I remember uh, the first couple of months in med school, my brother-in-law called me up and he said, uh, Grant, I was reading through Leviticus. And I was like, why are you reading through Leviticus? But that's a different story. And uh, he goes, do you know who the first doctors were? I said, no, I have no idea. And he said they were the priest. And in Leviticus, there's this perfect protocol that someone comes to you with a skin disorder. Okay, you put them in this house for, I think, 10 days or something like that. And then you bring it back later and reevaluate. And if it's still this way, then you do it again. Or you go, this it was a perfect protocol for a skin disorder. And he said, Grant, you're not becoming a doctor. You're becoming a priest. You're, you have a priestly duty to care for folks. And so I've kind of carried that with me a, a lot of, you know, I'm just not trying to care for people physically, but I, I want to be a priest to them almost. I want to care for them physically, but I also want to know more about what's going on in their souls and their life and, you know, how are they relating to something even bigger than them, an eternal God. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very important job, and and uh, you've, you've done it well. Uh, and, and, you know, faith on one side of the spectrum, and you've got medicine or science on the other side of the spectrum. Sometimes doctors will, you know, say, well, you have to see it to believe it. You have to kind of... You know, they're, they're believing the science of things. So for you, do those things mix or is it maybe can be on opposite spectrum sometimes when you're doing your job, you know, the medicine part of it? Yeah. You know, I went to George as a biology major and uh, it, it really pushed me and it was it was awesome. They questioned everything I believed and I had to sit there and figure out, is the Bible big enough for this? Can it answer its questions? Um, and for me, I, I spent a lot of time reading and studying um, and, and I, I think uh, that my Christian worldview, there, there's no different. There's not, I don't have a Christian worldview and a science worldview. I, I think my Christianity worldview can explain all of science. Um, and, and my hope is not that I'm smart enough or I can scientifically come up with something. It's that there's a sovereign God in control of, of this world who's planning out what he is doing. But it doesn't contradict science, or science doesn't contradict God uh, I mean, I, I love talking about uh, beginning times of the world, and and I love talking about the science of today, and I, and I think all that fits into a scriptural uh, framework, um, and that gives me confidence to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, for me, it's a mixture of caring folks physically and spiritually. It's hey, you know, we have medicine that that God's provided for us to have to help treat folks, but we also have prayer, and let's do both of those things. Let's not say let's only pray. Some folks say let's only pray. Um, and I think prayer can heal. Um, some folks say let's only do medicine. I think there's room in the middle to say let's do both. Let's call on God to do what he does. And let's also do what we can do and, and go to doctors and, and ask questions and see what we can do to get better. And so, um, man, I love Jesus. Uh, and I love science. And, and I have no problems with both of them. And I think they come together beautifully. You're having kind of the, the balanced approach, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, so you've uh, founded Mercy Med of Columbus, which we're in Columbus, Georgia, for those listening on the podcast. And it's a uh, nonprofit Christian ministry. So tell me about, um, you know, getting that uh, this um, 
company or nonprofit started, uh, how you came up with the idea, the name, and also, you know, what you guys do on a regular basis, maybe when there's not a pandemic. So I told you I went to Mercer Med School because I wanted to be a doctor for the poor. I ended up doing a residency program in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis that time, the county south of Memphis was the second poorest county in the United States. And I read a book about a doctor up there who had a, a clinic for the poor in Memphis. And so I want to go up there and train there and try to kind of see how these folks were caring for the poor. And I ended up getting involved with a clinic up there called Christ Community Health Services that uh, is kind of our great-grandfather. No, our grandfather. Something <laughs> like that. They're, they're, they're older than us. Let's just call it that. And I uh, met a friend, and he moved uh, to Augusta, Georgia before me. And in 2007... When I got done, I ended up moving to Augusta, and we started Christ Community Health Services of Augusta. And that clinic is uh, doing great. I mean, it's it's uh, the Lord is blessing it. They're seeing lots of folks. They have dentistry. They have physical therapy. And they're really um, living out the gospel. Um, that's what they're doing. And we stole everything there from Christ Community Health Services in Memphis to start ours, and it, and it worked beautifully because we just plagiarized everything they did up there. <laughs> so uh, we were up and going for uh, a three or four years, and some folks came from Columbus and said, listen, I love what you're doing. We want something here in Columbus. And uh, I've, I've actually given talks about starting clinics for the poor, and one of the main things you need is a doctor who's kind of crazy enough to say, you know, I'll do whatever it takes <clears throat> to get a clinic up and running because you have a really good administrator, but the administrator can't see, cannot see patients. And so you got to have the doctor willing to do that. So I said, you need to first find your doctor. Once you do that, um, then we'll talk about the next step. And Hal Brady was the minister here, and uh, he says, Grant, I think you're that, you're that doctor. And I go, I'm, I'm not the doctor. I'm not. God's called me to Augusta. I'm not leaving. And so I kept saying that, kept saying that. And finally I started praying very specifically, Lord, if you want me to leave, you have to do this. And, uh, and, and he, he did that. I was like, oh, <laughs> explaining that. And I said, all right, Lord, you're obviously calling me away from here. Let me have some serious conversations. And so that's when we looked at moving down here. And the Lord just seemed to open all the doors to move to Columbus and literally start the same thing that we started in Augusta that was started in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, which is, and I think nothing explains it better than our mission statement. We exist to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and demonstrate his love. And then it goes on. But the reality is that like, that should be the mission statement of every believer, that we exist to proclaim Jesus and demonstrate Jesus. Uh, proclaim with our mouth. You know, we verbally say it. Um, St. Francis of Sissy said, you know, preach, 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 and we have to use words. And so there, there's also this preaching with your actions, which is the demonstration of the, of the love of Christ. So we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and demonstrate his love. And Jesus said that when he showed the full extent of his love, he took off his outer garments and washed his disciples' feet. And to me, I, the perfect example of demonstrating is that we see a lot of folks who are homeless. And a lot of homeless folks, they don't change their socks very much. They have you know ulcers on their feet and the way we can demonstrate the love of christ sometimes it's just taking care of the the wounds of of people you know they're for the foot ulcers and and caring for them in that way so we exist to proclaim and demonstrate the love of christ and we do it through our skill set which is medicine and you do it through your skill set which is you know the news um but we use what god's given us to to kind of live that out so and the name mercy med uh mm-hmm. what does that really mean i guess that i mean we can so, kind of guess the mercy and the medicine right right so I was going to come here and just keep the same name. And there's a church in town called Christ Community uh, Church, which is a fantastic church. I love that church. Um, but 
we didn't want it to be a church clinic. We wanted to be a clinic for everybody. We didn't want to cause any confusion. So when I first came down here, I gave them a lot of options. <clears throat> and truth of the matter, Mercy Mail was my least favorite. Oh. And that was their favorite. And I thought, okay, if that's what they like, <laughs> I mean, we'll do it. But I do love the name Mercy. When Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, um, he talks of someone of, uh, oh, I love the story, sorry. Uh, he talks of someone coming to Jerusalem through a passageway they knew back then that was a dangerous passage. So much so dangerous that the Romans came eventually and put a guard post there to kind of guard that area. It was, it was the worst road to be on. And someone came and was robbed and pushed off the side of the road and left for dead. The first two people in the story crossed the road on the other side. And to be honest with you, I might have done the same thing. Um, let's just be real. I mean, I, I might have said, wait, we're in a dangerous part of town. I don't know if stopping helping someone is the right thing to do. And yet a guy comes along later, picks him up, puts him on his own horse, takes him to the inn, and says, you take care of him. I'll give you money to help provide in case you need more. I mean, he went above and beyond what you would expect it. And Jesus asked that question at the end of that story. Which of these men showed mercy? And then he said, go and do likewise. And to me, what that means is that we're supposed to go out and find folks on every street corner, wherever they are, and say, you know what, we'll take care of you physically. But also, I mean, he continued that care even after he took care of them physically by saying, you know, even at the end, if you need help, let me know. I mean, that to me is taking care of them physically, but also emotionally and spiritually in every other way. He might have PTSD after that. I mean, but walk with them and carry them and help them. That's what showing mercy is. Um, and so that's kind of where that name came from, is that, that picture of, of helping folks in the, in the worst part of wherever they are. Yeah, God instructs us, calls us to do the dirty things, which mm-hmm. a lot of times maybe we want to run from, you know, and be safe in our comfort zone, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, this is a podcast about uh, faith and also about fitness. You were telling me earlier you enjoy watching your, your wife uh, exercise <laughs> and you enjoy eating hamburgers, not just chicken salad. Uh, so, uh, for you, you know, obviously, you know, for more than a decade, you've been seeing patients, uh, not just coronavirus, but all kinds of things, obviously. So how important, you know, for those that are listening and say, well, you know, um, whether in the middle of this pandemic or just when life is normal, um, how important is it to be fit, physically fit? I mean, yeah. and, and cause obesity kind of run rampant where we live, Georgia, Alabama and, and the South in general. So fitness wise, how, how does that impact your um, you know, your um, capacity, you know, to, to withstand medical illnesses or anything else. Absolutely. Sometimes my wife doesn't like me very much, <laughs> and uh, she puts me on a cleanse. Oh, and, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I did a fruit and vegetable cleanse about uh, a couple months ago, and um, I, I mean, I lost 15 pounds in a week. It was wow. it was crazy. But it just it made you realize, like, uh, if we're eating things that we could pick off a, a tree or a bush or pull up, you know, uh, sweet potato, carrots, um, like we used to do two, three hundred years ago, and eating lean meat like we did two, three hundred years ago. I really think we'd see a lot less heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes. It's all so much of this is secondary to just the way we live now. Um, we drive a car, we're not walking, we're not exercising, we're not eating healthy, we're eating out of convenience. And the, the reality is, if we could change the way we eat, <clears throat> I mean, Every now and then I can convince someone of that. They do it in the clinic, and I end up taking some of them off medicines. Um, so, yes, uh, I, I think for a long time, smoking cigarettes was about the worst thing we were doing. 
and we've improved so much in that area. But statistics show us now that we've lost all our health improvement to obesity. Obesity is probably our biggest health crisis of the day. Wow. It really is. Because it, if you have that, it brings on everything else, all these other heart diseases and things like that. Now, some of this genetic, you can't, you can't stop it no matter what. <clears throat> but for most folks, it's environmental, and it can be improved by simply the lifestyle changes. But it affects you in different ways. Uh, right now, the number one um, high-risk mortality for COVID is, is old age. Number two is actually BMI. It's obesity. So obesity causes restrictive lung disease, so now you can't breathe as well, and you get an infection like COVID, and that's more dangerous to have a higher risk of dying than, than someone with maybe even heart disease. Yeah. So if we could convince our folks, and this is going to be our greatest challenge um, going forward, is eating healthy and exercising. And that's why you know we've actually started a farm in the clinic trying to get good food in, into people's hands and kind of re-educate them of, hey, this is important to eat healthy. It's important to exercise. One of my dreams actually is to have a gym <clears throat> on location at Mercy Med where our patients can come and exercise. And right outside the gym, you're seeing Keith Farm right there. So you're getting this visual of eating healthy, you're exercising. Uh, I really feel like like this is where our, our next big investment needs to go. It was stopping smoking. Now we need to figure out commercials, you know, everything we can to try to kind of put this out in front of people to realize that we've got to be healthy. Um, I think it's important to be healthy because I think we're called to do God's work. And when we're not healthy, it's, it's just harder to do God's work. And so God's given us this body to take care of. We need to take care of it. We need to do it. And uh, so, yes, I, I know I joke about eating badly. I do think it's, you know, every now and then we need a good burger. But if that's all we're eating, it's a problem. Because I mean, it's all a lot of it's like you're saying, cost and convenience. Because you can go in quickly in a drive-through mm-hmm. at a fast food restaurant, get a, a pretty good sized meal for five dollars, versus going to the grocery store and or or a farm and and getting fresh produce and and cooking it. I mean, and that can be more expensive and more time consuming. So it's a matter of finding a way to to make that happen for people of all walks of life, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it, it is more expensive. Um, and so that's that's one issue we have to realize. Um, yeah, I, like, I work with a lot of folks that are that are poor, and they're my friends. And, uh, I mean, I love the folks that God has given me to take care of. I, mean, I love caring for my friends. Um, but so much in poor communities, they they really are thinking their goal is to survive until nightfall. They have a 24-hour desire to survive, and they're trying to do it over and over and over and over again. Um, people from the outside don't realize this as much. And so try to convince someone, hey, you need to eat healthy so that you will live better in 10 years just isn't on the radar. Um, we really have to change the whole mindset of, of our poor friends to realize, hey, let's go get out of that idea of just surviving 24 hours. But you know, their big issue is security. Their number one issue is security, and and so healthcare is not their number one issue. Um, and so I know it's kind of going a different direction, but um, I mean, I love my poor friends, and and one of the things we gotta do for them is provide them a, a stable home, a stable life, so that they can then get to the point of thinking healthier. Because our obesity is greatest among our our poor uh, friends, and that's uh, poverty is a cruel taskmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't care what race you are. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care what, you know, uh, if you're, uh, what race, what sex, what gender. It is a cruel taskmaster, and it really keeps folks down. And so, you know, part of my job at our clinic, our vision statement, which is bigger than our mission, is that we hope that over time where, where Mercy Med is, is the community itself will get better. 
That's what we hope to see, and that our friends that live there will become healthier and become more secure and uh, have more opportunity um, to, to advance in life. Yeah, well, I appreciate the mission you guys have and, and focused on, on Jesus in the midst of everything, um, and I wanted to ask you if you could close us out in prayer for our podcast chat today. Absolutely. All right. Um, <clears throat> Father, we just uh, are so grateful that you are in heaven, and Scripture says you do whatever you please, Father. And what pleased you was to love us. That just blows my mind. And Lord, in response to that, Father, may we love others better. May we love people like us. May we love people different than us. May we love everybody we come in contact with and show them the goodness of, uh, of you, of who you are. And Father, uh, I thank you for this time to come and talk about faith and fitness. And Father, I pray that uh, you give us these bodies. May we glorify you with these bodies. And uh, help us to uh, live healthier for your glory and for for our good. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Dr. Grant Scarborough. I appreciate it. After sitting down with you and chatting about all these things, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I want to raise even more money for you guys for Mercy <laughs> Med. So, uh, I'm you not know sure what? We'll I'm, let you do it, by golly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'm not sure if I'm going to run uh, laps, but maybe I'll, I'll delegate that, that part of the job. So, But thank you so much again for joining us today. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And we appreciate Dr. Grant Scarborough for joining us here on the Run the Race podcast. I know he's been a very busy gentleman lately with all that he's doing and helping to treat patients and test folks and just help folks that are underserved in our community. There's so many folks, uh, you know, the, the the rich and poor disparity is also in the in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. So we appreciate his time. Maybe I'll get him out there running with me uh, sometime in the future when uh, all this uh, shelter in place is lifted. Turning now to our final segments of this podcast, starting with food for thought related to a little bit of mercy as well. talk a lot about faith on this podcast. There's a story from CNN Philippines about uh, faith helping a doctor win the battle versus COVID-19. For almost a month, Dr. Christine Joy Castillo had to stay inside her workplace, not as a doctor, but as one of the patients who was infected with the coronavirus. So she started off with high-grade fevers, loss of appetite, a dry cough, then the pneumonia was slowly and then quickly progressing. Uh, she's one of over 700 healthcare workers, including more than 300 doctors that have contracted COVID-19, according to the Department of Public Health. And she and a colleague say there was something that helped her win this battle. They say their answer was in one word, prayer. During those dark times, Castillo, admitting that you know she felt really weak at times, and uh, deep inside, and felt the urge to fight for her loved ones and for herself. Quote, I felt vulnerable. I also wanted to treat myself. I'm scared, but I hold on to my faith in God. I lifted up everything to Him. I always say to myself that God will heal me, as I always tell my consultants, He will not forsake me. Those are great words from Dr. Christine Joy Castillo and uh, her, uh, her friends and fellow doctors continue to pray for a miracle for her and others. As they say, they gather people to storm heaven with prayers and hoping that her story will be an inspiration to everyone else. On the fitness side of things for Food for Thought today, uh, we're talking about you know how a lot of gyms are closed and they're maybe about to reopen some of them in the state of Georgia where we're at. Well, as at-home workouts have become the norm for exercise enthusiasts that are hunkered down, fitness app ClassPass, according to Travel and Leisure Magazine, they're 
shaking things up with a quarantine routine by bringing everybody together. Uh, They're calling it Together We Sweat. It'll be on Friday, April 24th, providing free live workouts in a global event. And uh, they say, quote, group workouts build camaraderie, accountability, and community. When we show up to support and challenge each other, we work harder and we grow stronger. I definitely agree with that. So this is going to be on ClassPass's YouTube channel on Friday. The online Fit Fest kicks off with a hit class in Australia. Uh, in Sydney, and it ends with a dance cardio session in Los Angeles. They've got all kinds of Pilates in between, boxing, bar workouts, uh, and these are taking place in Singapore, Dubai, Amsterdam, London, and New York City. So uh, you'll be able to take part on their YouTube channel on Friday and and, uh, join folks from all over the globe as we work out together. ClassPass has also created a partner relief fund where Fit fans can donate directly to many of your favorite studios, and they're going to match all studio contributions up to $1 million. So that's great. And our parting thought today is coming from the Bible, John 16.33. It reads, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And we thank you, Jesus, for that, uh, because we definitely need to hear that in this time that uh, God is still in control. And uh, despite what is happening all around us, it seems like chaos. And uh, that uh, will we ever get back to normal again? And uh, again, thank you to Dr. Grant Scarborough. He also closed us out in prayer for this podcast today. And you can uh, go to WTVM.com slash podcast to listen to any of the previous 20 episodes. We've been at this since last November and still going strong for Run the Race, talking about fitness and faith on a hopefully weekly basis. So tell your friends about it um, and share it with others. Use the hashtag Run the Race Podcast. You can find us on uh, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love for you to go to the bottom and rate it five stars if you like it and write a quick review so we can keep this train going. So thank you guys so much again for listening and have a blessed day.